0: Mike Brockway is one of my good friends here in Denver, Colorado, and I've been asking him to get on the podcast for a while because he rides that perfect line of owner and operator. He invests in short-term rentals, and he also manages not only his own that he buys, but others here in Denver. And, of course, I had to pick his brain on what that looks like on a day-to-day What's his risk ratio when it comes to actually investing in bigger projects like one he currently has today, which we'll share a little bit more at the end of the pod. And of course, many other things from his tech stack, which I found very interesting and many, many other things. So check out Mike Brockway on slick talk right here, wherever you get your podcast. You're listening to Slick Talk, The Hospitality Podcast, a podcast for those who are in and around the hospitality industry who love, live, and breathe what they do. You can join us for candid and unscripted conversations with hospitality experts and founders as we go deeper into their personal stories while they're sharing their triumphs and trials that got them to where they are today. I'm your host, Will Slickers, and you're listening to an episode of Slick Talk, The Hospitality Podcast. Now, let's begin all right mike brockway my man i can't believe we're not doing this in person because we're in the same freaking city but (laughs) glad that you're here on the podcast welcome to slick talk how you doing today
1: doing great man good to see you
0: yeah, long time no see. We uh, get to hang out, at some cool, fun meetups. Shout out to Good Neighbor Realty and a few of our other friends like Mile High Hosts, who have put on some awesome events here in Denver. Mm-hmm. And I've seen you speak and host, and I've also get to just you know hang out with you at the the brewery afterwards when everyone's all wrapped up and done. So That's the best my, part. my friend, I want to the best part. Uh, I want to jump into your story because I don't feel like I get to talk with a lot of people on the podcast you know, that especially play in the realm of owner operator where you're an investor in properties and you're also managing them. I know there's a lot of people that either pick one or the other. And I'm specifically talking about myself. I don't own pretty much anything. I manage a ton of properties that have zero tie to my name. So I would love to dive into your story. You left a corporate job, a nice paying corporate job to go into this thing called short-term rentals. (laughs) So what was driving you to make the crazy move? Yeah, good question, man. I just wanted to do something different and
1: I realized that working for someone else wasn't like my calling. And I I was actually a pretty bad employee. So just kind of doing my own thing and figuring it out as I went, that's
0: that worked out for me and and here we are. So question, because I never heard the word entrepreneur or founder or startup or anything like that until I was like twenty-one, twenty-two. Did you always know you wanted to be, you know, a business owner, entrepreneur? Or did you have to discover that through being a bad employee first?
1: I think I had to discover that. My aspirations were to go to business school, get my MBA, get a get a high paying job and work in business, quote unquote, right? And I didn't realize what it really meant to, I guess, do that until I was doing it in real life. I did it for about six years and I just didn't feel fulfillment. And then kind of by by chance, I started, you know, bought my first house bought my second house. And over time, I kind of experienced what it meant to own my own business. And that just kind of opened up a whole new, I guess, world of opportunities for me. And I, and I felt like I was working for myself. I felt more fil- fulfillment there. And I just enjoyed it. The things I put in, I get that direct
0: output. And that, that drives me. So as an employee, though, you, you get, there's a lot of responsibility that you don't have to do when it comes to the business, right? And then being an owner, now there's a lot more to do there's a lot more to learn, it's a lot more, maybe unexpected twists and turns. Yeah. How's the, I guess, like the I don't even know if I can call it this, but like the learning curve been for you? I had a pretty hard learning curve where, like, my first tax bill, I was like, What the hell? <laughs> like, I was like, I pretty much called my CPA, I was like, You're fired, I don't want to, <laughs> so I don't ever want to pay this much in taxes ever again. But like, you know, I, I know there was a lot of stuff that I just wasn't told, wasn't expected, and and sometimes there was harder than just going to collect a paycheck what what really fulfills you on that that side
1: yeah i mean for me it becomes a game of priorities because there's always something to do and you're always i think at least for me i'm always motivated to do something or work because again i'm getting that direct output and so it just becomes okay how do you how do you spend your time how are you allocating your time what's the most impactful thing you can do today and just being able to stay organized on that front because i think what was tough for me from that transition from a desk job to kind of working for myself was, you know, how do I structure my day? What am I doing first? What am I doing second? You know, what am I pushing off till tomorrow? And once I figured that out and I was able to work from home successfully and stay motivated, that, that was super helpful. But, but yeah, man, it's definitely a transition. And I, and I can't say it was super easy, but you do get through it and you do learn, learn every day. And eventually that transition becomes, you get, you get past it
0: and it becomes easier. I do remember those days where I was like, what do I do today? Like the first day after not working a job, you're like, I don't have no one here to talk to do anything <laughs> like this is weird. So no, I totally remember that transition. So I love what you're building. I, again, I'm not on the real estate side. So anyone listening is going to be like, all right, this guy needs to shut up. But I've learned a lot from people like you. And I was just on a recording with Ben Wolf, who's doing a bunch of crazy stuff in the unique stay space. Mm-hmm. And so I'm very curious when it came to not only learning curve but you're managing properties and owning. So mm-hmm. walk me through your investment kind of mindset and what this has done for your business because I know you get to co-host in this specifically Denver, right? Like let's talk about this this region, this, you know, destination in general because it's so unique with regulatory issues, all the other stuff going on. So would love to to just dive into it with you. Yeah, and I, I kind of picked Denver by by chance. I, I had a couple of
1: friends who lived out here and I was looking to switch it up, move from New York. So I landed in just outside of Denver, Colorado. And I always wanted to own a property. You know, that's the American dream. I bought my first house. I house hacked that property, I had a couple of roommates, and I was kind of house hacking before I really knew what house hacking was. And the light bulb went off and I was like, okay, I can I can afford another property. Why not keep doing this, right? How do, I, how do I reduce my housing expense and create cash flow? And so I did that a few times. And my third property I ever purchased, that was my first short-term rental. And that property I purchased and created two units. So it was an upstairs and a downstairs unit. And my first Airbnb was when I, one of my tenants, my, my long-term tenants that lived upstairs, they lost their, their job and they had to move. And so it was in the middle of COVID. And I was like, all right, what do I do? How do I fill this unit and get that cash flow back, right? And so I furnished it with some items off of Facebook Marketplace and it started making money. And I was like, okay, like so this Airbnb thing isn't too bad. And so then I converted a different property that I owned that was a long-term rental to a short-term rental. And then I started purchasing for specifically for short-term rental use. And that's when things really took off for me because I think I, I bought like two properties myself in one year and then I've had a partner on a second on a third property and, I'll, and that's when I was like really in the game. But, but yeah, man, it's been a it's been a fun journey and I've started to do property management as well just to help scale faster and help other people do this. I've and it's very organic. Friends of friends will reach out to me and say, "Hey, I see what you're doing. You know, how do I do that? Or I have this property and I'm not sure what to do with it. You know, can you help me?" kind of thing. And so organically I've scaled my business operations by also doing some co-hosting and property management on the side.
0: Yeah. So it's very, it's very funny. Cause I think a lot of people get into this space, this industry, the sector of hospitality stumbling into it, right? Like you're like, all right, I'm going to buy real estate. I'm going to own a home. Now then stuff happens. You shift, you go to short-term rentals you realize, wow, this is like a great vertical to be in. I love this. And then it's not like an intentional day one, I'm getting a short-term rentals. I'm going to create like a hosting business and a property management company. Do you feel like you stumbled into it? I would probably say I definitely
1: stumbled into it more than I, more than it was intentional, just because I never even wanted to manage that first Airbnb. I actually reached out to a property management company and said, Hey, can you guys quote this out to manage this property on my behalf? And once I ran the numbers, it was a lot of indecision as well. I just didn't, wasn't sure if I wanted to hire them or not. So I just started doing it myself. And, that just kind of, I just kept going down that road until I really realized that I wanted to go hard into the space. And so I think it's just, just like a lot of other things out there. You, you try certain things, you take swings at bat, and you figure it out. And you'll figure out just through trial and error what you like to do, what you don't like to do, what works, what doesn't. And that's definitely what I did when I started off for
0: sure. Yeah. Oh, I I came in from the hotel world, and my parents were like, "Hey, we heard of this thing called Airbnb. We hate our long term tenants at our apartment. It's a nice apartment. It's nice on a five five acre land plot. Mm-hmm. All this stuff. Do you think you can run it?" And I was like, "Oh yeah, it's like a hotel, right?" I but I in my head in the beginning, I was like, "Where's the front desk going to be? Like, wh- how are we going to check people in, right?" And then I discovered smart locks, game changer, right? <laughs> yeah. So I'm curious, one hundred percent technology. But I come from that traditional hospitality side, right? Like taking care of the guests, guest experience. Mm-hmm. That was that was the model. That was the business. How have you maybe seen this playing from an investor operator side? Do you see a shift towards more hospitality, guest experience? Or are you optimizing for capital dollars?
1: Yeah, I mean, I'll be honest. When I first got into it, hospitality was not on my radar. I was like, all right, I want guests to come in pay me, get the heck out. <laughs> <That's a thing. laughs> and I think you can start off with that mentality or that used to be possible maybe a couple of years ago when the space mm-hmm. wasn't so saturated with like professional operators. But that's definitely not the case now. I've transitioned to definitely focusing on the guest experience. You know, we, we like to be better than the competition and, you know, you can't help but hear about like the Airbnb bust and oversaturation yeah. in certain areas, right? We kind of touched on the, the the regulation in Denver, which helps the saturation. But I want to stand out and have the best properties. So if we do face another scenario like COVID or, or when people stop traveling during a recession and there's two properties or multiple properties side by side, they're going to pick my property because there are better amenities. The guest experience has been better. The reviews are better and we just stand out in general. So I just think that it's super important to just be better than the competition, be the best out there, and invest into your properties. So those are like long-term assets, and they, they, are, they are, you know, you're not gonna have to shut down or close your doors because of a recession.
0: Yeah. Well, it's a simple hospitality practice you've put into place that you didn't have in the beginning. I would say just
1: small things like automation when it comes to messaging, reaching out to guests, yeah with the automatic message that says like, hey, you know, did you have any trouble checking in yesterday? How's your stay going? Let us know if you need anything kind of thing, right? And that doesn't take a lot of effort because you can automate it. Yeah. And even just reaching out after their stay and saying, hey, have like a post-stay message. How was your stay? How'd everything go? If you have any feedback, please leave us the private feedback here. But we'd love if you could leave a, fi- a five-star review, super important to us. And then even other small things, like this was our first year where, my friend Whitney, who's one of our, who's our main cleaner. She owns the cleaning business. I'm sure you know, yeah, you know Whitney.
0: Shout out to Whitney.
1: Um, yeah. <laughs> she, she likes to do decor and certain furnishings, right? So she actually went out and put Christmas trees and de- Christmas decorations on some of the properties. And she got a lot of yeah. positive feedback from guests saying like, hey, you know, it was, it was awesome to come to Denver to celebrate Christmas and have the, the home feeling like, you know, it was, it was very festive. And so just just small things like that and you kind of build on that right you don't have to do everything right off the bat but as you lean harder into the space you can add certain things to make your guest feel more welcome and just just increase that guest experience
0: yeah for context for the listeners can you tell us like when you started and where like from where you started to where you are today time wise what year and then i have a question to follow up on that context
1: yeah so i started I bought my first property in 2015 And that was just because I wanted to start owning, I wanted to own real estate. And that property was a large 3,000 square foot house. I had a couple of roommates and then I moved on to my next duplex the following year. And so I guess that was nine, nine years ago, I've been buying real estate. I've been buying a property or two each year, just slow and steady. I'll have people ask me at meetups and, you know, in certain, certain scenarios, like, hey, how did you do X, Y, Z or get to where you're at now? And there's really no secret. It's just consistency over time and being scrappy and just
0: being, being scrappy and consistent, I would say. Well, so with that context in mind, for the listeners, I want to know what's one thing that you wish you knew earlier on after learning it throughout the, the last you know,
1: handful of years? the first thing that comes to mind is I wish I knew I didn't have to put 20% down when I bought a property. Everyone thinks that. How did you
0: you discover that?
1: (laughs) I discovered it after I bought my first house and put 20% down. And then when I went to search my second house, I was working with a different realtor and a different lender. And I kind of expressed like, Hey, I just bought a property last year. I don't think I can afford another one for another couple of years, right? And just kind of being around the right people, mm-hmm. they basically turned me on to a different loan that only required three percent down, and that's kind oh, of wow. a big difference, yeah, a huge difference, right? And so, and that's one of the issues for people getting started is capital. I mean, where are you, where are you getting twenty percent to put down on you know half million dollar homes, especially in a market like like Denver that's pretty expensive? And so, once I realized that I could have better utilize leverage, that's when. I started to add kind of fuel to the fire
0: no, it's really interesting. It's a expensive lesson to learn, right? like the seventeen percent difference between twenty and and three mm-hmm. uh, but you know i i I find it you very very interesting right like i i I've said I'm not an investor i don't I don't buy properties, so I don't have to go through that painful process of putting the money down, buying the furniture, doing all the things. I'm curious, you know when it comes to being an owner operator. What are number one, like I hate asking like these types of tips and tricks types questions because sure. they're not really like my style, but I am curious because for those who are listening, if they're mostly managers, we, we have a lot of listeners on the podcast that are, I would say, like, well-seasoned veterans in the space of like property managers. They have a brand. They're in either one location or they are multiple geographic locations but they, they implement hospitality, like, right, they have, the, they have this thing. Mm-hmm. But what do you think are, like, the pros and cons of being an owner-operator versus just one or the other?
1: I think just the experience you gain from being in both, being kind of playing both sides of the field is invaluable. And that... Both skill sets spill into the other, I would say, and complement the other. I had a... Just one example is, I... You know, a friend of mine reached out. He's a realtor. He was a realtor in Denver. He used to work for Bigger Pockets. He relocated to Michigan. He's a and he's a successful realtor out there. He said, Hey, you know, I got a client or a friend who's looking to move back to Michigan, potentially rent his house. Can you help him with some tips, tricks, or property management? And so I sat down with that individual and said, Hey, you know, what's what are your goals? Right. And my, you know, background or my experience now as an Airbnb or short-term rentals. And so I kind of talked to him about that. And I was able to have a conversation with him holistically about his scenario, how he could utilize a HELOC to pull some equity out of that property, purchase the furnishings, and feel more comfortable about going into the short-term rental world in that space. And then I'm, at the end of the day, managing it, right? So long story short, I'm able to offer tips for him based on my experience as someone who's purchased a lot of properties and utilize to purchase the next property or pull capital to invest in that property right and add value and so without that experience i wouldn't have been able to sign on that client as a
0: as a co-hosting client now how do you manage to do both like you have a big project going on right now like you and i before this recording we're talking about it and it's a lot like you you kind of talked a little bit about you know you had a day right where contractors are all over each other and kind of landing out the Wrong times and just little things, right? So how do you manage that on top of guest communications for your properties that you're managing, to then managing cleaners and working with Whitney and there's just so many moving pieces, right? It's nice that you're local. I do got to say, like sometimes I do wish like I heavily invested in the destination I'm currently in, but it's a lot still either way. So I'm just curious, how what's your approach on management and all the moving pieces, plus having a personal life, you know? As an entrepreneur, we don't get into this just to lock ourselves 24 seven into our basements in our, you know, doing podcasts and other things all, all day long. Yeah. We, we want to have a life. We want to be able to spend some of the money. We want to be able to, you know, build freedom. So curious how you manage it all. Well, the secret is you just
1: give up your personal life. No, <laughs> no I mean, it's, it's definitely tough, but I, I look at it as a, I'm, work, I'm working in seasons and right now I'm just in a busy season and that's temporary and you don't want to have, you don't want that to be continuous because that's that defeats the whole purpose of all this, right? And so there is a light at the end of the tunnel for me on this project. It should be done in a couple months, I would say, furnishing and getting it online, just in time for the nicer months, nicer, nicer summer months here in Denver. But the key, let's say there's two two keys for me: good systems and utilizing tech to your to its fullest extent, right? And just being able to have a good hands-on, good hands-on team as well, and so you know we think about think we mentioned Whitney, right? So she manages. She started a cleaning business, and I met her very early on within her cleaning business, and she was kind of operating from. She had she was using a paper calendar, and I was like, okay, what's let's 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 talk. Through this, because
0: I'm gonna I'm gonna give her shit on that next yeah. time I see her. I'm gonna be like, I can't believe you're using a paper. Yeah, calendar. and if you think about it, she only had a handful of clients, so it was pretty easy for her, right?
1: And so yeah, yeah. I'm like, okay, I have you know multiple properties I want you to clean, and she started off with just one, right? And I we kind of test trial that trial that, and I had my old cleaning crew as well, right? So she started cleaning that one property, and I'm like, hey, this this is not going to work for me because I'm using a digital calendar. We're in Discord, which is like Slack. We're creating text automation from our property management software. You're going to get these texts. I want to know you got, that you got these texts. You know How am I going to know that it made it to your calendar? All those kinds of things, right? Just, just checks and balances. And so I would say because my business was growing, it helped Whitney's business grow pretty quickly as well. And so we built a strong partnership there. Now she has her own Discord channel. Now she has a Google calendar for all of her clients. She invites me to the calendar, the cleaning. So I can see that she got the, the invite. She gets the texts. There's, there's a number of things we've built in. So our two businesses can work side by side without, without any, I guess, missteps. And so she's, yeah. she's a big part of the team on that side of things. And then also, you know, going along those lines, just the who, not how, you know, who else do you need to partner with? Whether it's handyman, maybe having a virtual assistant. I do have a virtual assistant that helps out a lot with the messaging and the tech side, as well as just administrative tasks. That's that's a huge, huge piece to the puzzle. But again, man, just having solid operations, solid systems, and being able to have a solid team and just really think about the who not how
0: concept. I've been involved on the tech side of this industry since probably the beginning of my whole journey on this podcast, plus even in hotels. Your tech stack is probably one of the most unique ones I've heard because I don't, I never really hear like Discord being brought up as like the way people usually mention like a property operation software or I don't know, texting just as a group message or whatever it might be. And so I'm very curious, what made you assemble the tech stack that you did? Like, what was the driver? Did you just figure it was easy to use? What was the kind of initial? build of the tech stack?
1: Yeah, good question. I utilized Discord because a friend of mine was using Discord for his business. And I really liked the voice channel or like virtual offices they had set up. And that really stemmed from needing a communication platform for virtual assistants to work well within, right? So I think a lot of people will hire their first VA and there's not really a lot of insight or accountability on what they're doing day to day. And so Discord has a few feature where your VA or employee or whoever can be in their virtual office and I can just jump into that channel and I'll be like, Hey, what's up, Will? Or Hey, what's up, Whitney? And they'll hear that on their speaker on their PC and they can, they can chat back to me. And so it's just like walking into someone's office. And that was my way of having, creating accountability for virtual assistants. And from there it just grew. We created different channels, you know, for like guest messaging, reviews, post day stuff cleaning supplies, all the different things you need, just like you'd build out a Slack channel. And that just from there, just kind of stemmed from that. So because I was in Discord, I knew Discord, I suggested it to Whitney. And now she has her own Discord channel and her entire team is in there. There's a channel for every single property that,
0: yeah, I guess it just just blew up from there. (laughs) It's so funny. I I know there's gonna be some tech people listening to this episode and be like, what? They're gonna come after you. Just ready, you're gonna get a ton of sales outreach to move away from Discord into something else. But I'll let those companies do what they wish and I won't be involved. So, (laughs) you know, do as you you want with that information. But I just think it's really unique because, like, I think, you know, it's what you don't, you don't know what you don't know. But as you build out yourself, you find out what works for you. And I think a lot of the times in this industry specifically, and I hate this, like, terminology, but I have to say it because it's more of how it's approached. But, like, the traditional VRM, To versus the Airbnb host like category of this industry. And I think it's like, you don't know what you don't know, but if you could do it right and you could do it at scale, profitably with proper things in mind, like as you mentioned, and I mentioned regulations and guest experience, right? Like as long as you're doing what works for you and those things are aligned in some regard, I don't think there's an issue. But a lot of people in the space have a very hard time with that. Maybe at least in the sense of the big headline stories of the Airbnb parties and the the you know Airbnb gurus who teach you I can make you a million dollars in one year on Airbnb. Like you know, all that stuff. Yeah. Right? Like obviously that's gonna get the the rap that it does. How has like getting more involved in the industry you're speaking usually at like a good neighbor summit, or not a good neighbor summit, but like a good neighbor realty uh meetup or we were at Mile High Host with the Good Neighbor Summit. Mm-hmm. So I'm just curious, like how as you get more involved, how are you seeing the landscape of our industry form and shape, specifically in this area, but with other people that are operating all over the world?
1: Yeah, I think it's I think a big metric or thing to keep in mind is are you operating on a professional level? And as regulation gets stronger, as competition and saturation goes up, you have to operate as a professional. You can't just kind of wing it and have you know, bad amenities or a poor guest experience—that's going to help. That's really what's going to create the uh, survival of the fittest, and you got to take that seriously, right? I think anyone could put a property on Airbnb a couple of years ago and say, "Hey, I'm just going to kind of just just do it 50 percent." But now I think you really have to just 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 le- be able to level up and operate as a professional. And if you if you're not doing that, you're not going to make as much money at minimum, or you just won't won't survive out there because guests expect
0: expect a lot more now do you feel like you're always learning when it comes to like professionalism and growth and like being able to implement new things or once you have a system that dialed in do you feel like it takes a while in order to have something kind of break it if that makes sense i
1: think i'm still in the always learning phase i mean one one example is like right now i'm working on my direct booking website and, and now that's bringing me back to my property management software and trying to figure out if I'm using the correct one. And just because of the user experience, I'm looking at switching property management softwares now, right? I don't
0: have time. Great. Let me tell you about our sponsors at Hostfully. So you thought I was kidding that we were going to do an ad read for Hostfully? Well, I naturally mentioned them here because as Mike is getting ready to shift potentially from his tech stack and his PMS, Hostfully is the perfect property management platform for you to shift to if you're thinking about doing the same. And if not, starting with Hostfully is going to save you a ton of time and headaches from shifting from another platform in the future. So check them out. They have a perfect calendar system where you can distribute your properties on Airbnb, Verbo, Wimstay, Booking.com, Marriott Homes and Villas, and many, many more. They're amazing with integrating with other property softwares such as Minute or dynamic pricing tools or anything else from an operation standpoint. So check out Hostfully. They have a special offer for all of our Slick Talkers. And if you thought I was joking, I'm not. So Mike, if you're listening to this episode afterwards. Sorry, but we had to do an ad read. Shout out to our partners at Hostfully, and of course, as Mike is also building out his book direct website, you we can't forget about Hudson Creative Studios. They built ours at Recreation Rentals, and their booking engine syncs perfectly with Hostfully. So check them out. Link in the show notes and back to the
1: episode. But yeah, no, I'm I'm, I'm constantly learning, and I think it's if you're if you're surrounding yourself with like the right people, and you're trying to learn, and you're tr- putting yourself out there there's no way that you're not going to second guess what you're doing, at least a little bit, right? Is there there a better way to do X, Y, Z? And there always is, right? Someone's always doing it better or you come across a scenario where you just need to do it better. You know, right now I have a property that has kind of a pain in the butt neighbor and I need to keep that short-term rental license. That's my best performing property, but they've been kind of jeopardizing or making my life difficult. And so I need to put systems in place better noise detection, better security cameras, a lot of different, a lot of small things I need to hone in on just to make sure, mm-hmm. you know, I'm operating that property, you know, best way possible.
0: Yeah. Well, let me also tell you about other sponsor at, I'm just kidding. I'm not going to do that to you. We'll, we'll insert an ad there. So if you feel like you're having issues with neighbors, just like Mike is also sorry for interrupting the pod, but had to jump in. If you feel like you're having issues, neighbors are maybe a little sensitive to cornhole bags hitting at the boards. Then you need to get our friends at Minutes. They have a special two month free offer for you, all of our listeners. You grab the link in the show notes. But they will tell you if there's a party happening at your property, if there's any smoke being detected from cigarette smoke to just cooking smoke or other products that could be, you know, being smoked in your property, and of course many other things. We had. Segments with them here on the podcast called Minute with Minute with Nathan Smith, and they're super fun, educational, and of course, good for you as an operator. So if you are struggling with certain things like neighbors complaining, parties happening, not being able to tell when that's happening because you're remote or you're local, and you just don't get notified because no one has anything to say to you, then get with Minute. Check them out here. And of course, like always, back to the episode with Mike bruckway here on slick talk i'm curious like what what is what is the issue do you think with this property is it the location outside of the neighbor what's what's really causing the issue here for them at least
1: yeah i think it's just just noise after hours really and so the first complaint came like the first month operating the property you know about a year and a half Mm -hmm. ago and and they were like they complained because the, the the they said the cornhole was too
0: loud. Guests playing cornhole, and I'm like, yeah. all right, I want to be you get a little rowdy. Me, and my friend, me and my friends can get a little rowdy playing cornhole. Yeah. It's a little competitive, especially after a couple of beers, but you know, it's a little different.
1: But it wasn't even the guests; it was the the sound of the bag hitting the board. And I was like, uh, okay, like, yeah, that's a. I want to be receptive to feedback and be a good neighbor so i was like okay let me let me get some like smaller bags that aren't as loud right yeah how do i try to meet them in the middle and and act like i mean yeah. actually care right as much as i thought that the complaint was not legit <laughs> yeah and So no, i
0: can see it but hey you at least made you at least made a change yeah so we, and, and, try, change. and like that in the spirit
1: right and people yeah. just want to be heard right and so i was like okay like hey i get it let me let me see what i can do i don't want to tell, tell guests they can't play yard games right you know it's my property. I spent a lot of money on it. This was like the most expensive property I've ever purchased and has the most revenue out of all of my properties. so we got new new bags for the cornhole boards, but now it's just it's just people outside in general in the hot tub mm. stuff like that. and people are on vacation. they want to enjoy the amenities like the hot tub and I have a sauna in the garage and I have yeah. a gym in the garage, right? So people want to enjoy that really cool outdoor space that we have and for me now, it's just a matter of, I'm just going to have to crack down on, on guests or potentially turn guests away that may potentially be an issue, right? I think, I think someone might, everyone's booking right now without hesitation, but if I start sending messages to guests saying, hey, as a reminder, there's absolutely no partying or large gatherings allowed and you have to be inside after 10 p.m. Some people are going to say, okay, let's, let's find another property kind of thing. Like these guys are too mm-hmm. strict. This host is going to be a pain in the butt. And so I, it, it could start to impact revenue and, and that's, that's not good for any operator. Right. And so how do we, how do we meet that person in the middle, keep them happy, continue to have a good guest experience and not lose bookings because of it.
0: Yeah. How close are the houses to, to each other from, you know- one yard to the, the next. They're, they're
1: pretty close. This property was built in 2016, so it's a fairly new build. And I would say mm-hmm. they're probably 10, 15 feet apart, the buildings themselves. And their bedroom, the neighbor's bedroom is on the back corner of the property, which is close to the backyard in the mm-hmm. hot tub.
0: Yeah. And how many people do you, are you able to host in that home comfortably? That's a four-bedroom.
1: And so we, we advertise up okay. to 10 guests. So it's two per bed. Plus we have two rollout twin,
0: twin cots. Interesting. Yeah. It's, I can see it, but like I, after just doing like a big couple of group travels myself, like I think it's unreasonable to like, obviously people are yelling and shouting. It's a little different, but yeah. most people for the most part, especially at that size property, they're probably paying a decent size rate. Mm-hmm. They're probably not the people that wouldn't be able to afford it and cause riffraff so they can afford it. They're probably a little bit more respectable. Mm-hmm. Granted, you take the alcohol you know, ratio in the mix that could change. But even with my buddies, like on a bachelor party, we we all were up until 12, 1 am in the hot tub. Neighbors are close. We're not yelling. We're not shouting. We're not blasting music. We have music on or maybe smoking a cigar or maybe having a couple more drinks whatever it may be but like nothing to the crazy amount so i would imagine if my buddies who aren't in the industry are like the good most average guest i would imagine that you're probably able to host the same thing at your property are you seeing that to be the the type of profile or hate to use it the avatar that guest travelers are are staying at that
1: yeah definitely and we furnished this property to be more more high end. Like I did not, I think we spent about fifty thousand bucks on furnishing, and that's like our profit for the first you know year or more, right? And so, and, and, that, and that was the goal to have a good high quality guest and price it accordingly, because I think there's in my experience there's a pretty there's a direct correlation between price per night, price per head, right, and the quality yeah, of the 100%. guest, right. I hate to say it, but at the end of the day, you know, typically younger groups of individuals they are not going to spend as much money. And a, those are typically the guests mm-hmm. that are going to party, right? So you just get a younger younger group. Typically, they're going to party more. They can't afford a nicer place or a higher price per night and price per person. And so it yeah. kind of comes with the territory, unfortunately. So we tried our best to furnish it really well and just avoid any, I guess, any guests that were, gonna, that were going to look for a cheaper place.
0: Yeah, and the channel unfortunately can correlate to that too whether it's Airbnb, verbo, booking.com that I've seen play a bigger role whether they can afford it or not, they'll find a way to afford it and still cause the issue yeah. unfortunately. So, yeah, I totally understand that. Well, you know, this is this is really interesting. I'm I'm very curious just from the overall perspective, Denver is a great market. Tell us about the property, the project that you're working on right now as it's a bigger one, a lot of moving pieces, so I'm very curious. Can you just give us a high-level overview of that? Yeah, man.
1: Hopefully next time I'm on the podcast or chat with you in you know, maybe three, six months out, I'm like, okay, this is well worth it. But this is this is a big a big property, and I think the, the riskiest play that I've, I guess, gone with. And so this is a 4,000-square-foot house, and it's pretty unique in that it's got a lot of space, right? It's got a lofted ceiling in the living area, so it's got some cool Features, but it needed a lot of work. And I think a, another individual or a th- or different investor, they could have taken this property and said, "Hey, we're not going to do any work to it. it Maybe some minor paint and carpet here and there, right?" And they would just ran with it. But that's kind of just not my style. I want to have like legacy assets and, and assets that I'm going to hold long term. So I was like, "All right, if I'm going to ever remodel this property, like now is the time." And we're also in the slower season right now too, so it's that's when I like to take things offline and do a you know refresh or redesign so again going back to this property it was over a million bucks to purchase and i'll probably end up putting like a quarter million or more into it easily and this is definitely going a little bit over the my expectations as far as cost but i'm so far into it right now that there's no turning back and i think at the end of the day the The arv or the after repair value will be there so my my plan b and i always like to have some sort of plan b right and which is tough with these big single family homes that only underwrite on airbnb financials is you know my plan b is i could sell the property as well i'm also mitigating risk in a way where i'm setting it up to be two separate separate units so i could rent out the upstairs and the downstairs separately if i really wanted to but it's got a large pool we're doing a ton of work to the backyard at the end of the day, when it's all said and done, it'll sleep twenty people in beds, Jeez. all king size yeah. beds, and um, you know it should be a, should be a good good investment in the long run. It's just going to take me a little while to get all that capital back.
0: Hundred <laughs> percent. Well, it's an exciting project. I love Denver, and I love seeing people pour into this city. Mm-hmm. I think obviously you and I aren't from here, so being able to call this place home, really- at least for now. and and see it, you know, especially be represented well and good property regulations, good partners behind it. I think it's super smart. I I really enjoy getting like, this is a quick chat. This is normally an hour and a half long episode that we would go into, but I just really wanted to get to like, pick your brain on being on both sides of the fence of operator, investor, the life behind it, the projects that maybe make you a little uncomfortable beyond your normal, you know, bandwidth. So this is really exciting for me. I have a last question for you before we do our normal closing question. this is a question I've been super excited to ask everyone in the start of the new year. But what is one thing you have changed your mind on in the last 12 months? Man, probably a lot, you know, Um. (laughs) doing this podcast with you is good. you're like i wish i didn't do this
1: no that's a really good question man what's the most impactful one is what i'm trying to think
0: of i don't think there's a wrong answer i think it's powerful to change your mind and to know that you did so i don't know
1: yeah no for sure i I think i think one thing that i've tried to change my mind on over the past 12 months i did not do with this last project is is taking on (laughs) projects that require a lot of heavy lifting and so I, I said this last time, actually eight, 12 months ago during my last project, which was a duplex that we converted to two short-term rentals and put about $150,000 into it. I had a partner on that one, but I think for me, I don't want to do projects that are going to impact my, my lifestyle as much as something like this mm-hmm. does. right? And I can, yeah. I can do this you know, 20 times, not that I have, but you can do this over and over. But every time there's a lot of heavy lifting involved. you're managing a lot of contractors, in my case, subcontractors, I'm kind of acting as like the project manager or GC, GC. on the job, yeah, yeah, and so it's a lot of capital injection like and i for me i've I've utilized equity in other properties to fund that, and if i was if I wasn't an investor myself, I wouldn't have equity in existing properties to do the things that I'm doing now to grow my business. I think that's an important point, but just just kind of saying yes to things that are going to align with my lifestyle, my friendships, my relationships, and just kind of all the things that guys like you and I are are searching for as we're going into this, something like this, right? You know, you and I had a yeah. conversation about about family recently, right? And you, life is short, man, and you gotta yeah. you gotta focus on the things that are important, not just hitting this goal that could be arbitrary or this number that could be arbitrary thinking you're going to find fulfillment when you hit it. Right. And I think anyone that's been through this process or has set a big, a BHAG, a a crazy goal, and then they hit it, you know, Mm -hmm. you don't necessarily, um, feel like you're, you're done and you've won, right. There's always something else you can do, another goal to set. And so just consistent reminder of like, Hey, why are we doing this at the end of the day? What's super important? Why is that super important? And just sticking to that, man. And like, Hate to go on too long of a rant right now, but I have a very hard time not sticking to that. And I like to, Mm. I like to achieve things and I like to work and I like to, I do find fulfillment in that, but I'm always looking back and saying like, you know, I, I wish in 2023, I spent more time traveling or with family or with friends and kind of watering certain relationships that I, that I maybe didn't focus on as much as I wish I would have.
0: Yeah, great response and a great answer and a great thing to change your mind on. I I heard on another podcast outside of our industry, the host said, you know, I believe that we're all chasing something or running away from something. And he asked his guests, what are you chasing or what are you running away from? And I think that statement is true, but sometimes the thing that we're chasing is uncatchable or unachievable in the sense it's always going to move. The field goal is always going to go further down. And that's something like, you know, you can get on a spiritual level or you just get down to a level of like, you know, understanding that there's always, if you're wired the way that you and I are, that goalpost will never, you'll never catch it. And you're going to be the dog chasing his tail that will never be able to actually fight it. So it's just, it's a hard lesson to learn. It's a constant daily reminder for sure. So that's a great thing to, to change your mind on and to learn last question for all of our guests on this podcast is always what's one link, even though I'm going to put all of them in there. What's well, one of them that you want people to go to to connect with you outside of the podcast?
1: Yeah, I'd say I'm most active on Instagram. Based on all out of all the platforms, my my personal Instagram is mbrockway 120, and then if you want to check out my business Instagram, it's zenhousehomes, house Zen House House spelled H A U S. Zen House The cool, the cool house. Yes, exactly. <laughs>
0: That's the new brand. Not the, reg- not the regular. Yeah, yeah. Well, I love it, Mike. This has been such a pleasure. Glad we finally got to do this after a couple of different attempts. And like always, for all of our Slick Talkers out there, make sure you give Mike all the love that you can. Like, subscribe, follow, support, message, everything and above. And of course, like always, we'll see you all again next week.